Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Yeah, so I am young Andrew, as uh, old Andrew has um, alluded to me as. <laughs> so, um, yeah. There's not a middle Andrew, so not that I know of anyway. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I'm Andrew, I'm a member of this church. Um, and a little bit about me outside this church, just because it will help some illustrations that I'm going to be using later on. Um, so I work for Royal Mail. I um, came out of university and joined their uh, management program. I was on that for two years, and now I've recently moved into a uh, manager's role in Winchester Delivery Office. Um, that started in September. So that's a little bit of background to me, and hopefully help you join some of the dots later on. So um, today we'll be carrying on our series looking at Galatians. Um, I'll be um, focusing on Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 31. I'll remind you of that in a little bit later on, um, so you can find that. This is talking about the promises. And we all make promises. And often, well, often we make them in the intention of keeping them as well. But sometimes we can't. Maybe a reason that we knew before, or maybe something that happened um, that stopped us from keeping that promise. If I think of myself and growing up, the amount of times I was asked to tidy my bedroom by my parents, and I'd say, yes, I'll do it, the promise I made. Maybe not as often kept. Or at the very least, not in timescales that my mum would have wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Or to the standards that she expected either. (laughs) Another um, uh, example of promises, you may have seen the Dulux advert um, it's been on TV in the last few months. Um, All building up a whole load of different promises that people made a child promising their father that they'll walk a puppy. A five-year-old child promising their father they'll walk a puppy. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> um, leading up to so like saying, we keep our promises. What we have on the tin is in, what we say on the tin is in the tin, effectively. But today, we're going to be looking back at one of the promises God made to Abraham. A promise that seemed impossible. That he was going, um, that he was going to keep. It seemed that, I'll rephrase that one. A promise that, he seen, that seemed impossible for him to keep, but one that he was going to do just that. A promise that he would keep. Um, just like he does with all other promises that he's made to us as children throughout the Bible and throughout history. So, um, in the passage, Paul is referring um, to two sons born of different women, a slave woman, Hagar, and his wife, Sarah. This is Galatians 4, um, chapter 4, verses 21 to 31, those that want to find it um, before I get to reading it myself. God had given Abraham a promise that he'd be the father of many nations. When Sarah had not had a child, and she was getting to an age where it seemed impossible that she'd be able to have a child, Abraham um, slept with his um, wife's servant and had a child through her. He tried his own way to fulfill God's promises. He had a lack of faith that God could keep the promises that he'd made to him. That child was named Ishmael, and was, um, as it's called in the Bible, a child of the flesh. A child out of our desire to seek, what, to fulfill um, promises and fulfill our own needs and desires. But despite this, God, God in his mercy and grace still gave Abraham a child through his wife Sarah. This was the child of the promise, the true child of the promise. Um, And this is who Paul is referring to in verse 28 
um, which I'll get to in a moment. Now you, brothers and sisters, who, like Isaac, are children of the promise, um, so he's basically saying that we are like Isaac, um, Abraham's child, born of Sarah. We are children of the promise. We have inherited what Isaac had. We have inherited the promise that was through Isaac. Um, that's a very quick overview of that story. If you want to look into it in more detail, it's in Genesis 16, 17, and 21. That's the story of Abraham and his two sons. So before we begin, um, I'll read out the passage that I'll be teaching from this morning. So Genesis 4, 21 to 31. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, you are not aware of what the law says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by a free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according, was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears the children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands on Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free. She is our mother, for it is written, be glad, barren woman. You who never bore a child, shout for joy and cry, cry aloud, because you were never in labor, because there are more children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of the promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now, but what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance of the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but children of the free woman, or children of the promise. Before I uh, begin my preach, I'll just pray for us this morning. Yeah, Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that um, it speaks to us today, Lord. I thank you that you are a God that fulfills our promises, and I thank you, um, yeah, that you're a God that um, is, the, is the God of the impossible, Lord. And I pray that as we um, look at your word this morning, that you'll just speak to each and every one of us, Lord, that it will be you speaking to us, Lord, that there'll be nothing of me and everything of you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so, as I begin, looking at what um, Paul was um, challenging in this, in this passage, he was challenging the Galatians and looking following what the Judaizers were um, telling them, looking for acceptance from the Jews in Jerusalem and living under the um, wrong line of the promise. They were living under the promise that um, Ishmael was a um, line of the promise. They'd, been, they'd misunderstood what the meaning of Abraham's two children had been. Paul is, Paul is addressing confusion as to the beliefs of who the, who the child, true child of the promise was. They were being taught of the gospel of Christ plus works or Christ plus our own um, things that we add on, not just purely Christ on its own that leads to salvation. They believed that Jesus' work on the cross was not complete without us adding something to it. The true message of the gospel is when Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it is finished. 
And out of lack of faith in the promise, um, that, that promise that it is finished, Jesus made on the cross, that faith through Jesus is enough. They were trying to add something to, to that message, and they were going away. They were getting bound, returning to their old ways. This is very easy for us to do ourselves. Um, I'll look in a little bit later on at some of the ways that um, the culture and the, um, the cultures we live in today can influence um, that, maybe subtly, um, sometimes more obviously as well. We can do, work, do God's work, not have a relationship with him, without trying to earn our, trying to earn our favor and acceptance with him. Um, you want to look into more about that and listen to Andrew's preach last week. He looked into much more detail um, on not returning to slavery and what that looks like. <clears throat> they confused what living the child of the promise and God meant. They were not living in the freedom that God wanted for them and that the true gospel means for each and every one of us. They were returning to their old ways of living, returning to Jewish days, um, following Jewish tradition, um, trying to add things, trying to earn their way um, into, God's, into God's family, earn their way into acceptance. Ultimately, they were living out of a lack of faith that God's work was complete in Christ. So how does Paul challenge this throughout the passage? Well, he begins by going back to the root of um, their confusion, going back to Abraham. So he uses what their Judaizers are um, confusing the Galatian Christians with and brings true meaning to what Scripture said and meant at the time. The Galatian, the, the word desire... Um, lost my place, find me. Yeah, so, um, different um, translations, word desire or want is used. This implies that they haven't fully turned back to their old ways, but they are looking back to the old ways, and they're kind of in between the two. Um, so Paul was trying to um, turn them back to Christ before um, they returned to their old ways, trying to stop them from being under the law or to return to slavery. Abraham, uh, yeah, he's returned them to Abraham, appealing for them to consider again who the true child of the promise was. He hasn't, in the passage, he hasn't explained everything, but he's encouraged them to look back at themselves, to decide what, look at the mean, true meaning of the scripture behind it, and check that what they were being um, preached and spoken to was correct, encouraging them to weigh it, and to ensure that the meaning being spoken to them was the true meaning. And that's an important thing for us too. When things are spoken to us, um, when people speak into our lives, we should weigh what they say. And if we, there's things that we're not sure of, or we maybe disagree with it, we should go and check with them. I encourage you to look at the scriptures. I also encourage you to go back to that person and to check and weigh um, what's said to you. But equally, not to just except that what you think is right. I encourage you to weigh it with other people. But in this way, we can encourage each other in faith. 
we can build each other up and we can sharpen, sharpen each other and sharpen each other in the gospel and in Christ. <clears throat> it states that they were under, they were returning to be under the law. So that implies being squashed by something or controlled or restricted. They were following the law and moving away from the gospel that Paul first preached, a gospel of freedom, and they were returning to a gospel that they thought led to freedom, but in reality led to them being bound. If I look at my work as a, as a line manager, I'm underneath my manager. So to some respect, I am under his control, um, under the law. But if I'm bound by that, make sure I get this right. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm bound by everything that my manager says, then one, you will not see the skills that I have myself. You will not be able to, um, I'll not be able to bring what I have to the office. But also, um, I also need to respect him. I need to respect the law because it will point me to things that I, areas that I need to work on, areas that I need to improve. I have a manager that is much more experienced than myself. So naturally, he will have um, an understanding greater than I do. And that's what the law is. The law is, gives us a, a guide, an understanding on how to live a life the way that God has designed us. But we do that out of the spirit of God, not out of earning, trying to earn God's love and God's acceptance. We do that out of a place that we already are, children of God. When, when God calls the Galatians children of the promise, he's speaking to us too. We too are children of the promise. We've been raised by Christ, reborn in his name, and are now a part of the family of God. It's done by his grace and nothing of ourselves. All he wants from us is our obedience in following him. As children of God, we are co-heirs to the promise, an inheritance that only the children of God receive, and not those who live in slavery um, as Sarah um, speaks of um, in Genesis 17. And in response to being children of God, with the obedient to his calling, playing our part in seeing the kingdom come. This is not out of a sense of legalism or trying to earn our love and earn respect with God. This is as a response to the love and grace that he's shown us through Jesus. We're to be a blessing to those around us, and share the love of Christ in whatever form that looks. That will be different for each and every one of us. I'm not going to tell you the way you should do it. Um, there's many ways. We've been created in Christ to do good works that he's prepared us to do. So God, Christ has prepared us to do good works. He's given us everything we need to do what he um, wants us to do. We can go in confidence knowing that we have Christ with us through his Holy Spirit, and that he will enable us to do the work he has for us. And as Andrew um, spoke about earlier, as we follow Christ, as we follow um, his calling on our lives, we may face some persecution um, in different forms. And this is no different. This is no different to Christians throughout the Bible. Isaac was persecuted by Ishmael. The Galatians were being persecuted um, for their faith. Jesus Christ was persecuted and put on a cross because of 
um, what he was saying, what he was preaching. We're following in the footsteps of these um, other Christians. And we can have the confidence that God is on our side. He knows us, understands us, and loves us intimately. Everything we do is in his strength, and he'll work all things for the good of those who love him. What a promise that is for us. So the culture today can sometimes lead us to looking away from Christ, looking to ourselves, looking inwardly. And culture today says, says you've got to do everything in your own strength. No one's going to help you. You've got to do it all. Um, it leads us to look away from look, um, trusting Christ and looking at the desires of the flesh in terms of um, the hobbies that we do, educational achievements, Facebook friends, likes on Instagram or Facegram, um, cars, possessions, all things that can get in the way of us focusing on Christ. I'm not saying those things are bad, but when they're put above Christ, then we lose perspective on them. If we keep God and his promises on top of our lives, we can see how these things can be used for the good of our own lives and for those around us. And live in... Um, live using them how God truly intended them to be used. When we live in the knowledge that our inheritance is in God, when we live in the knowledge that we are a child of God, we can be satisfied with what we have. We know that God will provide everything for our needs, and we can be thankful for what God has provided us on this earth and the knowledge that he will give us everything we need and then we will find all we need in him. A little example of something that over the last few years I've noticed um, myself and how the world can quite easily shape um, the way we think, turn us away from Christ and away from what he calls on our life. And that's a very simple question that I'm sure many of you would have heard before. Where do you want to be in five years' time? While that question was often used and is often used by um, colleagues at work to encourage and um, encourage me to grow and encourage progression, which I understand is part of um, an expectation that I have at work, it also I can quite easily um, translate it as um, what are you going to do to make sure you're in a better place in five years' time? As if where I am now is not good enough. Well, who I am now is not good enough. I need to be something else. I need to add something else to who I am. That's not what God says to us. He says that we are loved and accepted through his love and grace alone, not through anything that we do. And there's nothing that we can do to earn any more of that. We are his handiwork, and he loves us for who we are. And I've not yet come up with the right answer uh, for how I answer that question, because part of me, I want to use and um, all the opportunities that God has blessed me with. I want to grow and develop. But I also want to do it in a way that is focusing on God first and foremost. So yes, that may mean promotions in the future. But that's not my motivation. My motivation is to do the best that I can with what God's given me. To bring some of his love into the offices um, that I'm based and the people that I meet. It's so easy to get distracted by the things around us, um, trying to fulfill God's promises or to achieve things in our own strength. Just like Abraham 
um, all those years ago, or just like I could very easily at work, I need to go on this training course or that training course to get myself to there. Um, that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to be focused on him, trusting in him, and um, obedient to him. So let's not lose sight of the gracious Father and loving Father that we have, one that guides and protects us, provides for all our needs. And does so, not wanting anything in return, but our obedience in following him. We're no longer bound by religious days and practices um, where in the Old Testament Christ has taken the place of those we can live freely in the identity that we have in Christ as a child of God, children of the promise. And leading, living our lives as that may lead us to do many good works, will lead us to be, try and be salt and light in this world. But it won't be out of a uh, desire to earn God's love. It'll be out of a response of God's love and grace in our lives. We, yeah, we respond to the acceptance and love we have in Christ and not our desire to earn that. So as I come to um, conclusion, what does this mean for each and every one of us? Just as I was asked where I could be in five years' time, or where I would be in five years' time, where are you going to be in God in five years' time? What's God calling you to? Are there areas of your life where you need to remind yourself of the promises that God has for each and every one of you? To be in Christ or a child of the promise is to be free indeed. Are there areas of life where you need to hear that again? That you're a child of God, that you are loved, accepted, brought into his family. God doesn't make empty promises. He has many rooms in his heavenly house. And each and every one of us, um, has a, uh, he, he, and he wants each and every one of us to be a part of his heavenly family. So let's hold on to that truth, that we are the children of God. As the band come up, I'll pray. Please use this time to respond um, in whichever way you feel. It may be sitting, maybe praying out loud, it may be in sung worship um, in a moment. Yeah, Father God, I thank you that you are a God of, um, that keeps his promises. I thank you that we are, each and every one of us is a child of you that we are loved and accepted by you. I thank you um, for the promises you made to Abraham, and I thank you for the promises you made um, since. And I pray that we'll just be able to live in the truth of that, Lord, that we'll live um, knowing, knowing your love and your acceptance in our lives, Lord, and may everything we do be motivated by that and be out of response of that and nothing of our own, Lord. May, the, may we reduce and you increase in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Andrew. It's a good reminder, isn't it? That we are children of the promise. That we've been brought into freedom. And uh, we're going to sing the song, Who Am I That the Highest King Would Welcome Me? And uh, the chorus goes, Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And let's celebrate what God's done to us this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and that's not true for you yet. Actually, you're, you don't know what it is to walk with God and to be free. And uh, there's going to be an opportunity later. Uh, to receive prayer, and, and but you might want to make that decision right now uh, as we sing this song. Say, Lord, I